This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Walking Each Other Home is an exploration of the many ways we cultivate wisdom, compassion, and love in our lives. Mirabai Bush talks with some of her many diverse friends about what they're learning now from their spiritual paths and practices. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Mirabai. Hi, everyone. I'm Mirabai Bush, and this is Walking Each Other Home. We're exploring the many ways in which people wake up to and express the spirit and how each of our stories helps others wake up as we walk each other home together. Neem Karoli Baba, my teacher, said, Subek, the spirit is all one, but the paths to getting there are as diverse as we are. So today we have the great delight and honor of um, being able to talk to Dr. Linwood Heyman, Jr., um, who is an associate professor of behavioral health science in the School of Community Health and Policy at Morgan State and board vice president of Contemplative Mind. And I'll just say that as a practitioner of, of radical love, then is guided by the perception that love is most effective as an offering, not an investment, as most offerings come, as most offerings come with no expectation for repayment. It's I, to those of you who um, have read a lot of Ramdas, it's Ramdas, I think, would call this unconditional love. Uh, and Lynn is a teacher, professor, a researcher, and an activist of radical love. So we're just going to talk about it. And so, hi, Lynn. Hey, Mirabai, how are you? As I think you know, my teacher gave me two instructions. Love everyone and serve everyone. And that's what I've been trying to do all these years in so many different settings and ways. Mm. When I first heard you talk about love and public health, when you were still teaching at uh, University of Michigan at Flint, I thought it was bold and wild to be talking about love when you couldn't drink the water. <laughs> so I knew you had 
an understanding of love that was beyond a first take. Um, so let's talk about what kind of love you mean. Radical love, agape, or that higher love that you are dreaming of. Just whatever you want to say about it would be great. Sure. Um, well, first things first, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. You know, I always enjoy um, talking with you and getting to see your face. Um, when I think about love or even specifically when the, the type of love that I'm talking about, I think it would help folks to first consider love as a verb. Um, thus far, when we when we've talked about when we've talked about love, a lot of the explanations or the uh, conceptualizations of what love is, it's spoken of as a noun, right? It, it, it's spoken of, of some as something that is either possessed or, you know, at best given. But when I'm speaking about love, I'm talking about it as an actual verb, as an act of doing, something that one does, uh, or something that one offers. The, the, the idea behind radical love is that it first has to start with self. The first most critical and crucial component of radical love is you as the root, right? So when I speak of radical, I mean at the, at the very root of love um, is you as the being to not only give it or offer it, but also as the being to receive it, right? And so um, you mentioned uh, that I was teaching, um, that I was a professor out in Flint at the University of Michigan, Flint, um, when the water emergency began. And a lot of the sentiment from uh, my interactions via my research with the, the Flint residents was that this was something that was, that was done to them. And it was something that was... Uh, not even a, a surprise because it was something, it was just another aspect of oppression that they had experienced. And so when I began to um, really consider this idea of radical love and what it means and what it can do, uh, it's, it's in a lot of ways reflective of uh, Paolo Freire's uh, 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 pedagogy for the oppressed, right, where he mentions the importance of uh, liberation coming from the oppressed and the oppressed being the individuals who would most effectively teach liberation. It couldn't come from the oppressors because, you know, the oppressors had been in the system of oppressing. And so when I think of radical love, in order for uh, an individual who has been oppressed for, you know, all of their life, it requires an understanding that I am worthy of a different experience than this. I am worthy of being free from this system of oppression. So that means not only being free from being oppressed, but also being free from being the oppressor, right? Breaking that cycle. 
And the, uh, the, the one of the most effective ways to do that is to begin the practice of radical love in terms of cultivating uh, that loving energy within the self before we can even begin to share it with, you know, other beings and other people. Hmm. So does that include, or is what you're saying, you start with love of yourself? Yes. Yes. And then extend to others? That's right. How do you do that? When I think of love as energy, um, there are ways that we can leak energy, right? So energy can't be created or destroyed, it's transmitted. And so when we think of what it means to be aware of the amount of love that you have or you know the lack thereof, the, the first place to start is developing an awareness that this love is uh, it's a process it's a practice and if you can't if you're having difficulty or if you're having trouble practicing it within yourself especially like you mentioned earlier uh, ram das's uh, uh, conceptualization of unconditional love it's very difficult to practice to give or to offer unconditional love if you don't love yourself unconditionally right so when when we have issues or when we have difficulty or challenges loving ourselves, when we enter into that um, uh, process of love, there's this, you know, conscious or usually subconscious um, exchange that is expected to happen where I am going to let you know in some way, shape, or form that I love you or that I care deeply for you and your well-being, right? And so in so doing, the expectation then is for you to make me feel uh, uh, as I believe that I am making you feel, right? And so what ends up happening is this, this consistent exchange of one-upsmanship, right? Where I did this for you. And in order for me to feel love from you, you have to do, you know, you have to go a little bit farther. But if we start at home, if we start with self and we fall in love with ourselves first, um, then what we are then able to do is that's when the offering of love can be made, right? That's when I could just, I'm just going to drop this love package off for you so to say and if you pick it up fantastic then you'll feel the love if you don't pick it up fantastic you you know you won't feel the love but I'm leaving it there I love myself enough that I don't have to worry uh, about what happens to it after I drop it off because I'm connected to a source um, that keeps me full of love and you know it, 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 I don't think that really specifically answered your question so let me try it this way. When I think about love as a practice, it also gives me uh, uh, 
uh, a consideration of love as a science, right? So if I considered love and the process of, of the practice of falling in love as a progressive uh, action or, or progressive actions, the first step is to observe, right? Just like it is in the scientific process. The, 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 the scientific process of loving requires observation first. It's just paying attention. And in so doing, as I pay attention, uh, the objective is to then lean in more, literally, you know, actually lean in more for additional information. So the observation is initially taking place uh, with the eyes, and I'm leaning in more so that I can see a bit more clearly. Um, when I lean in a bit more, then I'm getting closer to allow for the uh, a higher level of observation to take place, which is I can not only see what it is that I'm interested in or who it is that I'm interested in loving, but now I can also hear them a bit better. And as I am paying attention to this focal being, I'm also paying attention to how I am leaning into them. I'm also paying attention to how I am engaging with them, right? So if I am leaning into them, then I'm leaning in in a way that will not make me or my presence become a burden to the person that I'm leaning into. So I'm not leaning on them, but I'm leaning into them for more information. That, 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 that process of leaning in also is a, it's a, it's a dance to a certain extent, right? Because then if I'm leaning in, then the person that I'm leaning into is able to see clearly that, well, they're interested in, in uh, what it is that I'm saying, what it is that I'm doing. Um, that final lean is leaning in with the intention to feel, leaning in and allowing yourself to have such close proximity and also obtaining permission to have such close proximity that the intention is to feel what's happening with and around the focal being to whom I'm leaning, right? So there's this, I can, when I consider love and the process of love, it's that, that kind of a practice and it's, it's a stepwise practice. Do you, this is, you don't have to answer this, but do you remember, as you're speaking, I'm trying to remember, you know, times when I first realized that I felt, that I felt love for myself. Mm. And do you remember any early times when you felt that, when you first kind of discovered it? Or, yeah. I, do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the language for asking the question. No, I, I, I love that question. That's such a, a fantastic question. Uh, I'm, I'm even beginning to tingle a little bit as, as I uh, consider the magnitude of that question. You know, nearby, it, it's, um, I was uh, diagnosed uh in October with depression and it came as 
somewhat of a surprise, but then, you know, even being a psychologist, being as though I'm not a clinical psychologist, I didn't really know a whole lot about the process of depression and, and, and how it operates. But as I was talking to my therapist and uh, uh, to my psychiatrist, what I ended up realizing was that there has been a, a malaise of depression over most of my life. And, and what I mean is there's always been this uh, presence of not being good enough or not being, um, just not being enough, right? Not even having to have an adjective before enough, but just not being enough. There was always this constant drive and motivation um, that to me felt a bit more external than internal to be the best or to be better. And a part of me attributes that to, you know, being a, 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 in, this, in, this, in this black male body. But at the same time, uh, some of it is attributed to, uh, I just never had the opportunity or I, I didn't have paying close attention to myself as a practice. Right. It, 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 I didn't have a mindfulness practice. Um, I, I didn't develop a mindfulness and a meditation practice until uh, 2015. And so it's you know, going on six years that I've had this practice. And so over the last five or six years, I've been engaged in this process of slowly but surely falling head over heels in love with myself and, and realizing the the contributions that I have to make to this world are a gift that I can give, not that I'm expected to give. And if I don't give it, then that doesn't mean that I'm unworthy of love, or it doesn't mean that I'm unworthy or that I'm not enough. It just means that, you know, I, I didn't get around to giving it, so to say. But when I really gave myself permission to begin to feel um, this way about myself, it really opened my eyes to uh, what I had been missing. And uh, you are, you, you have been the recipient of my love now for uh, at least four years, right? And so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the magnitude uh, I'm a pretty intense guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't do a whole lot of small talk. Usually, when I'm engaging in conversations with people, it, it it gets deep relatively quickly. Sometimes it freaks people out. Sometimes they see it as endearing. But my process of leaning in is is intense and it's palpable. And prior to you know, say the last maybe even you know, six months, I wasn't aware of just how strong it is because I wasn't experiencing it for myself. And so what would, what would happen previously is, you know, I would, I mentioned this before, I'm leaking this loving energy, meaning I'm unintentionally paying close attention to um, paying such close attention or paying far closer attention to someone else than I am to myself. And so um, there was a moment last week um, 
where I'm a I'm a I'm a very musical person. I love music and I love to sing, as you know, Mirabai. So it, it, one of my my favorite I had the idea to play one of my favorite love songs, uh, "Love No Limit" by Mary J. Blige, and I was you know dancing around. Uh, it was in the morning before you know I had to attend to my sons, um, and I <laughs> I caught myself in the mirror. And rather than shrinking away from the mirror, I, I walked to the mirror, approached it and, and finished singing the rest of the song to myself in the mirror. And I think that was one of the most, <laughs> one, of, one of the most radical acts that I'd ever done <laughs> for myself. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to singing love songs for other people, but I never felt that power for myself. So that's that's one of the recent examples of you know feeling self love. <laughs> that is great. That is a great practice. I've never done it. I, <laughs> I'm going to do it. That's so cool because I'm sure you see everything that rises as you know, and you see it twice because you see it in your mind and you see it in the mirror. It's right. <laughs> good. <laughs> wow. That's fabulous. <laughs> um, when you, so I often, in my quest to love everyone at all times, <laughs> um, have, you know, I have difficulty um, mm. with, you know, <laughs> certain people. Um, not not many not many people in my personal life but I have just been watching I watched the uh, entire uh, um, proceedings around um, the impeachment and there were a lot of people sure. there who were hard to love and so yeah. um, what do you do when, when, when since you have this commitment too um, what do you do when that arises are there people or Images, I don't know that, or music that inspire you, so kind of get you back, mm. remind you um, that what you really want to be in a place of love. I I know that Martin Luther King said that, um, you know, I'm not asking you to like everybody, but I am mm. asking you to love everybody, and that that's helped mm. me a lot of times. But what do you turn to? That's a ah. Uh. I mean, I, I I speak of how amazing you are frequently, but I, I that's a, another fantastic question. Um, so I I I I do love music and I love to sing, and in terms of what I turn to, being as though love is now a practice. Love is also a lens of mine. And I'm, I, I want to be very clear in what I mean when I'm talking about love. Like, again, I, I know that there are uh, several conceptualizations and operationalizations of what love is. But for me, in this instance, when I'm talking about love, I mean doing what I can to increase the health of whoever it is that I'm 
professing or offering my love to, right? So in a lot of ways, I don't have the, the, the privilege, I don't have the access to engage in that, that, that lean in, if you will, that I described earlier, that, that, that process of love. But what I can do is I can say, you know what, as much, as much as this person makes my skin crawl and as much as this individual or this group of people frustrates me, I can wish them well. I can wish them health, I can wish them peace. I can wish them spaciousness. And that's the best I can do, right? That's, um, and I can leave it at that. I don't have to continue to pay attention to the negative, you know, horrible, traumatizing things that they do. But every time I, I do have the, the, uh, the chance to see these negative behaviors and that they're engaging in the negative things that they're saying that's that's a reminder to me to 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 restate that wish i i wish them well i wish them health i wish them peace because if it's to me it's very clear that they don't have it that they don't have well-being that they don't have peace that they're not uh, uh, healthy, because if they were, then it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be such a compulsion to have power over uh, uh, this group of people or power over or control over. They wouldn't need it, right? It, it would just be, that's fantastic. You're being the way that you are. If there's any way that I can help you be even better at what you're doing, then I would like to engage in beloved community with you so that we can become interdependent upon each other and we can help each other rather than competing with each other. So it, it, it isn't a specific song at this point anymore, but it's really just the, 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 uh, the lyrics of life that I'm paying attention to now. And my constant refrain right. is, love it's, it's love it's i don't have to get caught up in that narrative of negativity i can wish them health well-being and peace and keep it moving that's real good <laughs> um well since you mentioned the beloved community i was i know you once said um to to find this love, I go home. And yeah. since this is about walking each other home, would you say more about that? I know it connects to beloved community. Um, yeah. Yeah. Home. <sighs> you know, home for me, um, it's, it's been challenging, especially as an adult and especially once I became a father. Um, it's been very challenging to feel at home here in the United States, just being completely transparent. Um, it's been, to me, home is not 
a place where uh, Gil Scott Heron sang of it back in the in the late sixties, um, and he he says home is home is where the hatred is. And so he you know in 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 speaking about home and speaking about the United States as home, that home to me is sanctuary. Home to me is replenishment or or a place for replenishment. Uh, home to me is um, is peace. Home to me is acceptance. It's uh, it's a contained or a container for my liberation, right? It's a container for my freedom. And so, when I was away from home for seventeen years, when I was living in Michigan those 17 years, um, I always enjoyed coming home to Maryland. Um, but to be completely honest, I, it was, it's, it's always been challenging coming all the way home to Maryland just because of some of the, the difficult experiences that I've had here. But I'll tell you, um, my, my, my partner is, from Puerto Rico and she, um, whenever she and I and, the, and our family have an opportunity to go down there, I always feel at home. And one of the most significant reasons or one of the strongest contributing factors to that is um, phenotypic characteristics aren't as big of a deal, right? How you look isn't as big of a deal. We're human beings, so it's a big deal, but um, at the very least, the pigment of your skin isn't a determinant for how I'm going to treat you or interact with you. So whenever my wife and I you know, go to Puerto Rico or even before we were married and I would go to Puerto Rico, um, it would feel like home, it would feel like sanctuary. And this was even before I could speak Spanish. Um, it would feel like, like liberation and yes there were limitations but now when i think of home um it's less about it being a specific place and it's more about it being a, a conceptualization I, I i feel as though home is a is a process as well now home is a practice it's a if I can feel at home in my body, if I can feel at home in my, in my soul and in my spirit, um, then I can feel at home wherever I am. And, you know, that process of radical love, starting with self-love, is, is the key to unlocking that door of, you know, wherever I am because of how uh, insulated by love I am personally, then wherever I am, is home because I feel at home within myself. I feel at home within my very being. <laughs> That's great. That reminds me, my mother, um, who's been dead for a long time now, but she said, she, her favorite phrase was home is where the heart is. And we had, yeah. had a, you know, growing up, had some trauma my father left we got poor we she had to keep moving us around you know and um that's lo losing your physical home can be hard and so 
she would always tell us mm -hmm. home is where the heart is. And I think that's what we're saying, mm -hmm. that home is in love. Yes. In the, the other thing I have to share with you, I could do this offline, but I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> so I did this um, conversation recently with um, John Densmore, I think I told you, and so he's a drummer. And um, so we were talking about music and spirituality and so on. And, and I asked him basically, like, why is percussion so important? And he said, you know, it's the first sound you hear while you're still in the womb. Mm -hmm. You're hearing your mother's heartbeat. And then mm -hmm. when you when your own heartbeat comes in, then you're playing together. <laughs> I really love that. But he said, yeah, that's the beginning. That's where you feel really safe. And um, and then he said, um, it's the ultimate homeland security. <laughs> I thought that was really good. <laughs> That's great. I love that. So, yeah. <laughs> Safe. You know, that, that yeah. the idea of walking each other home is, it's so moving and it's, uh, you know, no pun intended. Uh, it's, it's so, um, it, it, it's so remarkable primarily because if we think about, if we allow ourselves to see love as home, then we can facilitate the process of love for each other. So when I when I speak of this this the importance of interdependence, it means that I am no more or less uh, reliant on you than you are of me. And if we're walking each other home, and home is where the heart is, then when we enter into community with each other. That is a process in and of itself of us walking each other home. It's 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 you know it's it's one of the things that you um, uh, do for me is you uh, whenever we get the privilege to talk, you always remind me of how much you appreciate me. You remind me of uh, uh, of how much you love me. That's walking me home because. You know, you are a person that I I don't you know, especially now with uh, with COVID, I don't get to see you as often as I would like to. But whenever I do, I always feel at peace around you. And so, the 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 that that aspect of peace is it's it's oh yeah, I'm on the sidewalk now in our beloved community, and we're walking each other home, and we're just walking around at home with each other because we have this this freedom um, to love each other and to care for each other and to really mean it, not to say, oh, I love you or I love you, you know, but the, you know, I really do care about your well-being. I really do care about your health. Um, I really do care about, you know, your success. And I feel that, you know, I feel the same thing from you for me. Absolutely. Let's see. Um, say, say a little bit about um, the connection between 
love, which seems very personal and seems, well, that. Um, and public health. I mean, here we are mm. in the middle of the worst public health crisis um, in, the, I don't know, for 100 years in this country. Although um, I remember soon after COVID started, um, you did say, and someone was saying, and we're also vulnerable now. And you said, mm. some of us, some people, have been vulnerable before COVID arrived. You know, <laughs> I thought it was really important. And, um, but it does, you know, there is this, you know, sharing of vulnerability, but, but how, how will love take us to a place um, where, you know, where uh, we have public, good public health in all its aspects for, all beings um yeah yeah Whew. oh i love that question too nearby um <laughs> so if we if we, <laughs> if we if we continue um this line of thinking of of radical love and starting with self first um the foundation of radical love is is being able to love oneself so much that um, we can offer love and not invest love. Uh, or um, if we think about that from a public health perspective, to me, what that means is first things first. Again, if I'm telling you that I love you, it means that I care very much for your health and well-being. And so if I am in community with you, or even if, you know, I, I, I might know you only through, you know, long distance wise, I, I might not have the opportunity to, you know, to actually share space with you. If I come into the habit or develop a practice of wishing wellness, wishing health, wishing success for you, what it does is it decreases my intention to compete with you. And in so doing, it decreases my motivation to hoard whatever resources I have from you. Because if I am healthy, then that means that I am secure in who I am and what I have. And if I, I mean, if I care about your health and your well-being, then that means that hoarding is not an act of love. Not sharing resources is not an act of love. And so, if I were then of the of the mindset that, you know, if I have, if I am surrounded by people who care about me and not people who are, are, are trying to compete with me, then I am, I'm healthier mentally, right? It, 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 I'm less stressed environmentally. And this is, you know, this is uh, uh, color irrelevant. This is uh, race and ethnicity irrelevant, gender irrelevant. 
um, uh, any of the, the, the social categories are relevant. Um, if I don't feel like I have to compete with you for access to health, right? If I don't feel like I have to compete with you for safety, if I don't feel like I have to compete with you for, uh, for well-being, what that means is we can pursue well-being and not only can we pursue it, but we can work together towards it. And so if we, if we consider that as a public health model, what that means is there is a, a higher likelihood of public health because everyone is getting what they need in an equitable way rather than an equal way. Meaning, I don't mind you getting a little bit more than me because I have most of what I need, if not all of what I need, right? And so if it came time for there to be cutbacks uh, to me receiving something so that you would be able to receive, you know, proportionately more um, so that way your health can be increased and your well-being can be increased. If I love you, why would I mind that? If I, if I care about your health and well-being, why would I, why would I fear that? Right. It, it, this it, it wouldn't be, you know, oftentimes the argument or the or the, the, the evidence that um, uh, extreme capitalists give is, well, I'm trying to ensure the future of my lineage. I'm trying to ensure the future of my, uh, you know, my 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 offspring, my grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. But what we've been able to observe you know, over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years specifically, maybe even the last 20, is that this every being for themselves approach is contributing to excess suffering that is really being inflicted on the planet right now, right? And so if I am engaging in this hoarder mentality where I am, you know, I'm, I'm aware of the dwindling resources and I'm all about trying to collect as much of those resources as I can for the well-being of, you know, my kin, my people. It's coming at the detriment of the, of the physical environment. And if the physical environment breaks down, well, where are your kin and your people going to live with all of these resources that you've hoarded, right? They're, 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 everyone, all of us live on this same planet right now. And so if, I cared more about your welfare than I would be more in favor of equity than I would equality because then I would have the wherewithal to understand that I have a lot more of what I need than does this group of people or does this person, my neighbor, for example. And so if it came time for there to be adjustments if, if I had to pay more taxes, um, then so be it. I'm willing to do that because their wealth, my welfare is tied to their welfare. So right now it's, it's all, uh, when I'm thinking of this, when I'm thinking of love as a public health initiative, when I'm thinking of radical love as a public health initiative, when I'm thinking of the beloved community as a public health initiative, what I'm talking about is taking 
each of us taking more responsibility for each other's health rather than uh, us deciding that, you know, this person or this group of people is where they are because of their own doing. And if they can't um, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps or if they can't do you know, what it is that I did in order to, you know, find success in this country or in this world, then that's not on me. That's because they're not working hard enough. But what that also does is it creates this, this, this feeling or this notion of competition that if you, um, as someone who does not have as much as I have, come into my neighborhood, then that means that I have to be afraid of you at some point taking something from me. Um, whereas if we become, if we really become neighbors within the beloved community, then that means that I don't have to worry about you taking anything from me because you will come to know that I am a giving enough person that I want you to be well and I want you to be healthy. And I don't have to, you know, be afraid of you taking anything from me. That is really beautiful. I mean, mm. you took something that sounds so bureaucratic, public health administration. <laughs> um, and I know, of course, it's not from all those years I worked with Save a Foundation, but, um, but still, and just that's the thing, we bring it back to what we know in the heart, yeah. then it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. Do you do you want to lead a practice? We still have 10 yeah. minutes or so. But we don't I would have love to. that. Just to, whatever you want to do with the last 10, we can do. I was trying to find... Um, there is a, a, a practice that I have um, that I would like to guide us from, guide us through. And it's a series of, of affirmations. Um, and there, the, 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 the focus and the goal, the intention behind the affirmations is to um, really give us the opportunity to to consider our worthiness and our importance to each other. Mm. And the, at the, at the very least, at the very least, what we can do is wish no more for, we can, we can, what we wish for ourselves, we can wish for others. That's the, the essential uh, goal and intention um, behind this. Let me pull it up. And I'm going to, you know, I know how horrible it is to uh, have <laughs> dead space on a, uh, on a recording. So I'm just going to ramble until I find it. And I found it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So again, these are I'm laughing is good too. Yes, it is. <laughs> so these are just the just a few affirmations, and what I'm going to do is invite us, those of us who are in, engaged with each other right now, regardless of what time we're listening to this, when and where we're listening to this. I want to invite you to settle in to where you're seated. And I want to invite you to allow your shoulders to just fall away from your ears. If you're sitting down, pay attention to the areas that you might feel tensed right now. If you've already closed your eyes, do you just have them shut or are you squeezing them shut? Do you have your brow furrowed? If your mouth is closed, are you pressing your tongue against the top of your mouth or is it resting gently in the bottom? Are your teeth clenched or is your jaw a little slack? Your hands, are they balled up? Are they pressing into each other or are they resting? in your lap, on your thighs. Your feet, are your toes balled up? Are you pushing into the ground or into the floor? Can you give yourself permission to just be a little lighter? Can you give yourself permission to just sit a bit more gently? And for those of us who feel comfortable enough to close our eyes, I would invite you to do so now. And as you do, I invite you to just take a nice deep cleansing breath. And before you breathe in, push that stale air that you might be holding out of your stomach. Just squeeze your stomach tight. And then breathe in as deeply as you can. And let that go. Feel yourself sitting even a bit more gently right now. with this nice, gentle, relaxed sit. I'm going to read a few affirmations for us to say to ourselves. If you're so moved, you can say them out loud. But after I say each affirmation, I'm going to ring my singing bowl and that 
singing bowl is going to vibrate that affirmation into our being. May I be all I need to be and have all I need to have in order to do all I need to do to make this world a more loving and just place. May you be all you need to be and have all you need to have in order to do all that you need to do to make this world a more loving and just place. May we be all that we need to be and have all that we need to have in order to do all that we need to do to make this world a more loving and just place. And as the singing bowl, the vibrations of the singing bowl pass, my wish and my hope is that these vibrations that we have shared with each other, that they'll stay with you. My wish is that this energy that we are sharing across time and space that they will stay with you. And to seal off this practice, I invite you to take one more nice and deep cleansing breath, first squeezing the air out and then breathing in deeply. Hold it for a few seconds and then release. 
Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. It was wonderful. So simple and so <laughs> my pleasure, my love. Mm. So see you in the air <laughs> in the ethers when you say <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yep. Now we're now we are recorded for all time. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.